Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Latin America Review and today we're going to be talking about Guatemala and we're here with our very good friend Cindy Forster who is also a contributor uh, on many occasions to Calcetian News and she has had the privilege of just interviewing Delma Cabrera, a leader, uh, indigenous leader there in Nicaragua, leader of the political party of the MLP, the Movement for the Liberation of the Peoples. And we're going to talk a bit about Cindy's experiences in uh, in Nicaragua uh, and uh, speaking to her, and as well as a, as a kind of introduction to the interview that we'll be publishing with Delma Cabrera. Cindy, so good to have you on here. Um, and listen, I wanted to, you know, for, for, for people who perhaps don't know very much about Guatemala, who um, don't know many of the political actors, uh, you spoke to Thelma Cabrera these past few days. Could you explain in layman's terms who, who Thelma Cabrera is, what the MLP is as a political organization? Um, for, yeah, for, for those who perhaps don't know uh, too much about Guatemala, an introduction. Uh, absolutely. It's such an honor uh, to be asked to talk about, uh, first of all, to be asked to talk on Casa Chuncoca, but also uh, to be uh, able to interview uh, Delma Cabrera Perez. Uh, she is a Maya mom uh, organizer of many decades, um, working with a group that formed in 1992. Uh, named CODECA, which stands for um, a committee that serves uh, the development needs of campesinos. 90% um, of the people in CODECA are uh, uh, not only campesinos, but are landless. So they're forced to work in just horrific conditions on the uh, plantations of agro-industry. Um, now it's an organization that's uh, national. Uh, maybe, you know, talk a little bit about that later, but she herself was born into this um, country where the Maya, the indigenous are the majority and Mayan campesinos are um, impoverished in the words Codeca uh, um, uses or forced into just extreme poverty when she grew up like many families in um, among the majorities on the South Coast um, that um, uh, rises up to the volcanoes from the Pacific in the cane fields, the coffee groves, the banana groves and so forth. Um, you know, it's one of the richest areas of um, probably uh, Latin American agro industry and its people are among the poorest. So she was forced as, uh, with her family to uh, scrounge for food in uh, local dumps. Um, when she was raised, they still had a little bit of land on which they could grow corn uh, and other things they wished to, but um, agro industry has been so, um, um, savage you know so rapacious that they um there's really no longer any land for their labor force to work on and their labor force is largely impermanent um so she as a mother of four children followed her husband into organizing with Codeca after it formed in 1992 there's longer histories that we should probably talk about um 
of how campesinos in that exact area across you know decades prior had won uh, many of the things such as agrarian reform that Codeca is now fighting for. But in any case, she and her husband um, responded to this uh, call for um, uh, land to the tiller, for land ownership, for redistribution that then became a uh, much broader call for women's rights, uh, for indigenous rights, the rights of youth. Um, and um, in recent decades, like just really taking on structural injustice, injustice through challenging um, transnationals. Uh, she's a powerful presence, tremendously charismatic, which really doesn't distinguish her from most of the people in Codeca who are just um, uh, you know, extraordinary individuals um, and inherit um, 5,000 years of Mayan existence on lands that they know are theirs. So maybe I'll stop there and see. Um, yeah, so, and one thing I find very interesting about, um, you know, the, the movement, indigenous movement there in Guatemala is that they raise the demand of the plurinational state um, uh, going beyond the sort of uh, post-colonial republic. And of course, Cindy, you know, we, we know each other from your work in Bolivia, and Bolivia is a plurinational state. And it is that is is the Bolivian experience something that you, that you think Guatemala um, can can take on? And you know, it, it, is is many of the demands of the indigenous movement now similar to what Bolivia has implemented um, with the creation of the plurinational state? Absolutely, yes. Um, as a person who uh, just deeply admires Bolivia, the reason I went there actually with uh, friends who were campesinos in Guatemala was to uh, um, admire up close, close hand, uh, what um, the plurinational state has been doing. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, the plurinational state is the central demand of uh, the movement for the liberation of the peoples, the MLP that Delma Cabrera is their presidential candidate. Um, and then there's a famous uh, lawyer, human rights person who's the vice presidential candidate. But um, uh, she uh, has visited Bolivia. She's a fast friend of um, uh, those in MAS and in fact, the struggles of um, the South Coast, where she in particular uh, was born and raised and you know continues to live, um, are to my mind very similar to the struggles of the cocaleras and the cocaleros. Um, so in terms of going up against an imperialist power um, in the agro industry, um, um, an agro-industry uh, collective, maybe that's too kind a word, that runs the state. So there's um, um, a tremendous uh, understanding of the Cocaleros' uh, struggle against the Drug Enforcement Agency, against a narco state. Uh, in many ways, uh, Guatemala today, um, its oligarchy has always been very powerful, but today it's, uh, in many ways, a narco state. Um, and uh, the uh, 
the strength, it's really, uh, you know, the willingness of the oligarchy to murder um, people who resisted um, in Guatemala, Mayan campesinos in Bolivia, um, the, the indigenous, um, you know, the 36 nations um, who were um, uh, challenging structural injustice uh, is, uh, you know, very close kinship. Um, the uh, people in uh, Codeca, like the Cocaleros, uh, also like the Aymara, the Quechua, have suffered um, disproportionate assassinations. Guatemala uh, is probably, or is, one of the places on earth where uh, campesino organizers are killed in the greatest numbers proportionately to their population. Um, and uh, of the 26 leaders of Codeca, for instance, who've been killed in the last four years, not one of them has been uh, investigated, much less jailed. The uh, platform of Codeca, which many in Codeca believe they uh, came very close to winning or they did win in the last uh, elections. They lost by only a few points to the current uh, president under uh, Telma Cabrera's candidacy. Uh, it has 19 proposals. Um, each of those was discussed, created, then voted on from the community up through the uh, national level. So its organizing is similar to the uh, Bolivian indigenous organizing in terms of its you know, dramatically horizontal uh, collective um, approach that's um, resisted just these, uh, you know, this stream of. Uh, murders. Um, I'll stop there so I don't, uh, you, you need to uh, stop me because I just won't stop if you don't. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is a space for extended thoughts and reflection. So there's no stopping it. But um, I, I, briefly, I wanted to touch, you mentioned the, the last elections, the current president of Guatemala, for people who, who don't know, is Alejandro Giamatei. Now, I first heard of him when he was president-elect of Guatemala and he attempted to go to Venezuela during the attempted coup in 2019 by Juan Guaido to a, some sort of meeting or conference that he had organized. And he tried to enter Venezuela on his Italian passport. He is a citizen of Italy and he attempted to get into Venezuela on his Italian passport without mentioning the fact that he was the president-elect of Guatemala. Um, but the Venezuelan authorities did uh, realize and uh, sent him back to Guatemala. But um, yeah, just just very briefly, you know, what, what could you tell us about the current president of Guatemala and the current government? Um, they're, they're at the moment, the party in power and, and their, their approach to the country. Um, I would say that um, um, am I still on the air? Yes, yes. Great. Um, um, they're not that distinct from most of the uh, um, people who've held uh, presidential power since um, uh, the CIA coup of 1954 with uh, very rare exceptions. Re they represent, um, they're extremely committed to the agro uh, 
industry, agro-export, um, oligarchy, um, and mining. In um, um, Most people are probably aware that Guatemala is one of the most corrupt um, nations in the hemisphere. Um, and uh, the current president is no exception. I'd say that um, um, it's critical to understand that violence is their favorite tool against um, uh, the majorities of Guatemalan who are campesino and working class. So it's, uh, it's um, a style of governance that um, uh, those in opposition to it call the pact of the corrupt or the alliance of the corrupt. Uh, they rob state coffers um, um, to the greatest degree they can. Um, after they leave office, um, uh, some have gone to uh, prison, serving prison sentences for that corruption. Um, in the opinion of the poor, they should be serving prison sentences for genocide. Guatemala has um, one of the highest proportionate figures of uh, violence during their recent uh, era of revolutionary war, at least maybe not recent for um, um, people thinking in terms of the 20th century, but that war ended in 1996 and it lasted from 1961. Um, so when the military dictatorships weren't in power, um, their allies were, they often took off their uniforms and entered government whenever they could. And, and that alliance I think is more important than the particulars of uh, um, the kinds of corruption and violence. Perhaps just to note that the entire judicial system, the, um, you know, uh, the human rights system, the, um, um, the state is just profoundly corrupt and uh, people within Codeca as well as outside of it are um, uh, expressing the fear that if um, uh, this fraud is allowed to continue that Guatemala will be facing another period of armed violence um, because it's virtually impossible to uh, stay alive. Uh, you know, immigrants are keeping, you know, they're responsible for about 20% of the gross national product. And many people who don't want to leave are dri driven out um, by this uh, pact of the corrupt and by just um, this tremendous violence, just among Codeca, like people being beheaded, people being, um, Telma Cabrera in her recent interview mentioned just two of them, you know, Dominga Ramos, who was killed um, about three years ago in her own home to sow terror, or there's a leader who's not Maya, but Shinka, uh, Luis Marroquin, who is the regional coordinator of the department of Palapa, um, killed in recent years. And it's um, um, the brutality with which people are killed is uh, part of the uh, um, president's uh, uh, ruling uh, style. It's never worked, of course, but uh, um, uh, it has driven large numbers of uh, people in the middle class who are working against the pact of the corrupt out of the country, whereas people um, such as Telma Cabrera um, 
you know, multiplying that by millions are still in the country. And, and uh, um, I dare say she would win if she were allowed to uh, run. So many people um, uh, who are not uh, elites just love her. Um, you know, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, mentioning the fact that the current president, uh, Alejandro Giamatti, is... Uh, has, is a citizen of, of Italy. Um, reminds me in some ways of in Bolivia when the former president in the early 2000s, Gonzalo Sanchez de Lozada, um, used to speak uh, Spanish with, a, with a, an American accent. Um, and for that reason, he's called him, um, you know. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize how Guatemala is a, a really indigenous country in again, in a lot of the ways that, that Bolivia is as well. Can you just give a brief outline of the the makeup of, of Guatemala and the, the indigenous nations that exist um, and, and how representative people like Alejandro Giamatti, um, citizen of Italy perhaps, is of, of the country that he, he rules over? Oh, absolutely. You, you stated it yourself. Um, it um, it's uh, as in Bolivia, it's often contested by the elite, the degree to which the country's majority indigenous. Most in Guatemala, among those dozens of nations are uh, Mayan nations. Um, Telma Cabrera is Maya mom. Uh, the uh, speakers, uh, she speaks a language that uh, was spoken by uh, people who ruled a uh, um, commercial city-state in the place where she lives, which is called El Asintal, for 2,000 years, like that city-state flourished. It had relations with central Mexico, with you know the entire sort of uh, regions um, in that vast uh, Mesoamerican uh, uh, region where people were trading with each other. They were creating um, uh, societies and communities. Um, um, and um, uh, I think that city-state ruled from like a thousand years before the common era to a thousand years after, and, and people are are deeply, profoundly um, aware of uh, uh, those ancient uh, realities. It's part of people's values. Um, they're also Garifuna uh, or Garinagu Afro-Indigenous peoples along the Central American coast. Likewise, in um, uh, Guatemala, the vice presidential candidate of the left, um, uh, one of the left uh, parties in the last uh, presidential race was uh, Garifuna. And then there are the Shinka, who um, I mentioned, who are not Maya as well. Um, and the way that people uh, worship, the way that people uh, care for the land, the way um, um, they raise their children is just so profound uh, as in Bolivia, right? The uh, uh, distinctions from um, European Eurocentric white capitalist understandings of um, living on the earth. So uh, the uh, demands such as um, uh, rights to um, uh, the planet, rights to understanding water, rights to sort of uh, challenging um, 
uh, human-centric uh, understandings of the planet um, are um, uh, coming from the same trunk or the same root as um, in Bolivia. Um, Delma Cabrera talks about her mother as her main source of inspiration. Um, her mother had no formal education, which uh, is a way of saying that her education and her values were profoundly about those um, uh, many tens of thousands of years living uh, uh, on those lands, caring for those lands. Now the um, uh, agro-industry belt to the south coast and also toward uh, the uh, other on the side of the Caribbean um, and into the uh, rainforest of the north are poisoned, like totally poisoned. Telma Cabrera says the, you know, not even the fruit trees bear any fruit. All the people living there, especially children, um, the elderly, you know, pregnant women are um, suffering uh, the, you know, serious uh, diseases of a, of a capitalist um, approach and understanding of uh, exploiting the land, um, uh, really raping the land um, and um, the people who are doing that are precisely the same people who rule the country. Uh, mining in recent decades um, has become as uh, uh, sort of vile and dangerous and vast a reality as agro-industry. So that's gold, it's um, silver, it's blasting off uh, mountains, it's uh, destroying you know, uh, people's homes and, and lands, their ability to even produce. But in uh, Guatemala, uh, indigenous organizers realized that early enough that in a number of areas under um, the Convention 169 of the International Labor Organization, they started voting massively uh, to uh, uh, refuse the right to foreign transnationals to mine uh, their lands. Um, so like over a, a million indigenous in a um, country that's small were able to uh, have been able to uh, refuse the right to mining companies to come into their indigenous communities. Many people are still monolingual speakers, especially uh, women um, in the countryside. Um, and among um, youth who were not monolingual speakers, there's a huge and flourishing uh, uh, sector that's um, celebrating its um, uh, cultural is kind of too thin a word or too weak a word to describe like just how profound the uh, uh, understandings of what it means to uh, preserve or even not preserve, but just uh, uh, build and continue the realities of Guatemala as a uh, indigenous plurinational um, place. Um, and I think because of the degree of the genocide, like there are few um, indigenous families who haven't been touched by it. Geographically, there are areas that are more mestizo um, over toward uh, the Caribbean and and moving toward um, Honduras. Um, but even in those areas, people are sort of uh, reclaiming uh, the indigenous identities of their grandparents, not like the Lenka had reclaimed, uh, whose um, martyr 
Berta Cáceres uh, was part of that uh, process. Um, so uh, uh, the race wars are obviously 500 years old. They're all about class. And because they've always been so harsh um, for most of the 20th century, um, there have been really interesting histories of the left often taking a uh, uh, socialist um, frame rather than um, um, more, you know, what um, some people might call, it's a European term, but what some people might call an anarchist frame. And I think that's necessarily so because people know the state is like um, uh, what's committing genocide against them. Um, so uh, the sort of need to challenge the state um, through a vast uh, uh, political movement. Um, um, I'm not sure if, uh, uh, I think most people probably know that there were 10 years of democracy in the 20th century from 1944 to 1954. Um, probably outside Guatemala, most people know about um, the uh, its uh, overthrow by the CIA um, and the United States that in fact, was uh, trying to overthrow it from the time it came to power, actually before it came to power across those 10 years. It took them a long time to build a proxy army from Honduras. Um, but um, in that revolution, I think what a lot of folks don't know is that uh, its fiercest defenders were campesinos. Um, many if not most of them indigenous um, um, outside the agro industry belt but also in the agro industry plantation zones and precisely where Codeca uh, first arose so there are um, um, you know many decades um, of um, um, actually vast organizing uh, among campesinos and a recognition of who in uh, um, the state has um, stood for their rights. Um, so in those 10 years of uh, spring, they're called from 1944 to 1954, um, the campesinos massively voted for the most radical sectors who, and then pushed them to uh, agrarian reform in 1952. In 1953, which was a central reason why the United Fruit Company um, made sure that stopped with the coup. And there were about thousand, a thousand people killed at that point. Uh, many of them, if not most of them, on a United Fruit Company plantation uh, called Hokotan um, in their uh, major banana growing zone uh, near where Telma Cabrera lives. They were uh, uh, rounded up from up and down that coast, south coast, from the lists of campesinos um, who had received land or who were part of organizing committees. They're all called communists, and they were shot into um, large open tr trenches that had been dug out by tractors. And people remember that. It became very dangerous to state it across the ensuing dictatorships. But among those who stated it were actually um, uh, guerrilla armies, um, and uh, some of the people who perpetrated that in um, uh, after the coup of 1954 were, um, um, I guess you'd call it popular justice, uh, uh, 
were uh, uh, brought to justice by children of those who had been uh, massacred. Um, so the memory of the campesinos is exceedingly deep and often bears, you know, until recent, recently, pretty little relationship to what's written, but um, um, is just a tremendously conscious uh, uh, population that um, um, many, you know, extraordinary organizers have been driven out of the country just to stay alive. Um, often because they're threatened, you know, uh, by the um, gangs that are in the pay of the um, uh, larger narco-trafficking networks. And you know, I mentioned that Guatemala is a narco-trafficking state in many ways, and um, um, uh, you can't even uh, have a, you know, a little tortilla-making stand in a, uh, the poorest of the um, neighborhoods in Guatemala City without um, uh, paying off the um, um, people who are called gangs, but they're actually direct employees of the narco-trafficking elites, um, including, uh, of course, many of the politicians um, who use those networks to stay in power. Yeah, no, thank you, Cindy. And just, just to finish off, um, at the moment, the in, in February, at the end of February, Thelma Cabrera's uh, political party. Well, she she was essentially banned from standing in upcoming elections, um, but by, by the current authorities in Guatemala. Can you just explain what what's happening there? Why that's happening? What's the reasoning given by the state? And was has there been a response as well from? from from people in, in Nicaragua, in, in Guatemala, sorry. Guatemala, right, no worries. Um, uh, absolutely, there's been a response. Um, the reason is uh, clearly that Codeca is, uh, um, in a profound way, most um, thoroughly challenging structural injustice. So they, you know, some of the things she says, we cannot beg favors from the bosses. Um, they're, uh, um, for many years, they've been uh, organizing people um, against privatization, in particular electric energy, energy, electricity, which is actually, uh, uh, there's uh, Energuate, the, um, corporation that runs that is um, uh, transnational, it's British, uh, but uh, people have stopped paying a portion of uh, their electricity bills and have been met with terror for doing that in a collective vast sense. So their claims, uh, in answer to your question of um, uh, why her ticket is being excluded, it's the most uh, thoroughgoing ticket against um, uh, capitalism and imperialism. Um, and there's not really a challenge to uh, uh, the degree to which they plan to create um, uh, a new reality, just as in Bolivia, like the Pachacuti or the plurinational state is... Um, um, not at all um, you know, shy or silent about stating his challenge to um, 
to uh, oligarchies that have been in power for 500 years, but probably more importantly to the United States empire and all its um, underlings. So they're going up against savage capitalism, which is you know quite literally killing people um, um, on the plantations. Um, so I think um, uh, there have been particular dates, February 23rd, March 25th, uh, at which the um, ticket of Condeca uh, has challenged um, its exclusion on the grounds that the vice president, Jordan Rodas, who uh, was a human rights uh, ombudsperson or procure, uh, procurador, uh, that's attorney general, I guess, um, who was very effective in actually challenging corruption and the uh, highest levels of the state went after him at that time. He's, um, um, you know, quite a person, uh, quite a uh, uh, strength, uh, driven out of the country into exile. Um, um, but they uh, kept him from running on uh, sort of ridiculous grounds. Uh, it was something that he had met part of the uh, uh, requirements for forming uh, part of the presidential and vice presidential slate. And then uh, something was invented days after he'd met that requirement. He couldn't even find out what the charges were for a while. And then um, at every turn, like at every one of these deadlines, um, um, he's been blocked at the same time that people with much graver uh, impediments to being president are in the running, such as an individual named um, Sandra Torres, who uh, was jailed for a while, then absolved of um, uh, ties with narco-trafficking to fund her earlier presidential bids. She came in second in the last two races, if uh, memory serves. Um, and she's in the running, um, even though like the precise reason she shouldn't be is um, after having been Catholic, she ended up divorcing her husband who was president in order to run herself and that um, uh, upset the Catholics, but she became an evangelical minister and anybody who's a minister or part of um, you know any kind of cultured uh, religious faith is not allowed to run as president. Um, a third woman uh, is probably the most notorious that I hope people have heard about. She's the daughter of um, the dictator uh, Efrain Rios Montt, who only ruled for a year and a half in the early 80s and managed to kill more people more quickly um, than anybody in the same amount of time. So just a very vicious, uh, among you know many vicious dictators, uh, possibly the most vicious. He had a long running trial and then died. Um, but from the time she was, I think she's now in her mid to late fifties and um, his daughter, whose name is Zuri Rios de Sousa. Um, from the time Zuri was 22 years old, she was defending her father. She's been a long standing congressperson um, together with her father in Congress. And the genocide they committed was extraordinary. Both she and her father are very close to the right wing in the United States. So her father, you know, during the Reagan years um, was viewed with tremendous favor by evangelicals in the United States. Um, it's an international alliance, right? Um, and uh, 
Zuri has had uh, among her husbands uh, people from the United States. Um, and she, you know, for as uh, long as I've been watching her from, since the 90s has been um, declaring that there was no genocide. So absolutely like opposed to the very idea of a genocide, which uh, sort of places her in the category of somebody like Janina Agnes, the um, um, uh, coup president in Bolivia with the difference that um, um, Janina Agnes had like, um, you know, basically 12 months to express um, those uh, ideas, whereas the oligarchy in Guatemala has been killing people uh, in um, enormous massacres, as well as one by one with uh, as much torture as they can uh, achieve to try and uh, terrorize people into not doing what they have never stopped doing which is demanding um, equality, dignity um, for all, and actually an end to capitalism and imperialism. Uh, thank you so much, Cindy. I think it's you know, such a comprehensive explanation um, that is really going to help our listeners. So thank you so much for that. This is Cindy Forster, a professor at Scripps College in the United States, and also um a sometimes contributor to Kazachi <laughs> news of course and we're we're so yeah so grateful to have you on today and for um all, all, all that you've done for Kazachi news including the uh, interview with Toma Carrera that we'll be, we'll be releasing over the next few days and yeah we're really excited for that and we hope this can be a springboard uh for that as well so thank you so much Cindy such an honor. Just a huge honor. Thank you. <laughs>